Mad Pod Show 196. Don't get mad, get media. Mad Pod. Rare celebrity interviews, indie music, madpod.com. Your global audio internet connection. Coming up on madpod.com. Hey everybody, how you doing? Jay Dolly with you, madpod.com. And on today's show, we have the man, we have the man who did, or should I say musician, who did the Miami Vice theme. That's right, our buddy Shadow Steel talked to Jan Hammer, and uh, this is a big interview. I remember Jan uh, when he first came out, and I really thought his stuff was great. So here we go with Shadow Steel and Jan Hammer and madpod.com. Born in Prague, Czechoslovakia, and joining us live coast-to-coast from metropolitan New York City, jazz rock keyboardist virtuoso and former member of John McLaughlin's legendary Mahavishnu Orchestra, Jan Hammer joins us. Welcome, Jan. A pleasure speaking with you. Thank you, Shadow. How are you? Nice to be with you. Nice to be with you as well. By age 14, you were working with a touring and recording jazz ensemble that also included future Weather Report member Miroslav Vitus, You've played professionally on keyboards, drums, vocals, and guitars, but you're best known for your unique synthesizer style. What originally drew you to the mini Moog? Well, what happened was I played piano since I was, you know, four years old, and uh, I thought that I would always, you know, be a pianist. And uh, eventually I got more and more interested in rock music and uh, being able to uh, play uh, something that was a bit more flexible than, you know, than just a standard uh, piano notes which cannot you cannot bend or you know do anything with them and i was always you know looking for that and basically what happened when, once i saw the minimog it, it just uh, all became became possible and i was able to uh, play you know the way that uh, i the melodies that i heard in my mind now jan you studied theory and composition at the prague academy of muse arts but when the soviet union invaded czechoslovakia back in 1968 you emigrated to the united states and attended the berkeley school of music then in 1970 settled in manhattan and recorded as a sideman with elvin jones and jeremy steeg jan i was surprised recently when i read that you don't listen to much contemporary music but mainly to miles davis and indian music well, that was true. Uh, that was actually true then. I listened to lots of other things too, uh, like you know, today. I mean, I just uh, depending on my mood, uh, I uh, I like lots of things that are that are happening out there right now. You know, people like you two and uh, uh, Kanye West or Dixie Chicks and Sheryl Crow. You know, uh, I, there's lots of things I listen to. But uh, as far as inspiration, I would say that uh, between Indian music and Miles Davis, that's true. Those, those were things that I spent a long time listening to as I was growing up keyboardist for the Mahavishnu Orchestra. How did you come on board, Jan? Uh, it was, uh, I was a part of this uh, sort of a scene uh, in downtown New York where we had, uh, we had these uh, lofts before, you know, before, there was, uh, before they were hip. <laughs> and lots of musicians had uh, uh, you know, lofts with musical instruments set up, and we would just go over and visit each other and, uh, and play, just experiment in, with music. And I would, uh, you know, your name gets around, people talk about, you know, how how you play if they like what they hear and uh, that's somehow you know how we got uh, connected with the different people you know with, with john and billy cobham and, and so on 
Now, you appeared on landmark fusion albums like The Inner Mounting Flame and Birds of Fire, then after the group disbanded at the end of 1973, reunited with Mahavishnu violinist Jerry Goodman for the 1974 album Like Children. Your music, Jan, from that era often gets lumped into the fusion category. Have categories been a problem for you since your music is so diverse? Well, that's exactly the point. I, uh, I, am, uh, I refuse to be pinned down into one box. Uh, you know, I like to do lots and lots of different things. And it, it wasn't really until I started working on uh, in scoring for film and television that I was able to do all the different r- wide-ranging music that I, that I like and that, that I'm capable of doing. It was trying to, you know, do it on uh, working on individual albums. It, you know, it was difficult. People didn't know what to do with me, where to, you know, where to put me in a, store, in a music store. <laughs> Now, your debut album, The First Seven Days, stands out from that period. It's innovative in so many ways, musically and the way you recorded most of the parts by yourself. What was the inspiration behind it, Jan? I think it was sort of a reaction to the, uh, the three or so years that I spent uh, intense years on the road playing, performing live with Mahavishnu Orchestra. And uh, I basically uh, bought, uh, I went out and found this beautiful farm uh, where I'm still living right now. <laughs> And uh, built a studio and started creating totally different, you know, different music, which was much more, uh, it was quieter, it was more, I would say, spiritual or, or intimate, you know, compared to the balls-to-the-wall uh, electric rock jazz that we were doing with Mahavishnu Orchestra. So it was, you know, I think it was a reaction to all that. Don't get mad, get media. Mad Pop. Live coast-to-coast from Metropolitan New York City with jazz rock keyboardist virtuoso and former member of the legendary Mahavishnu Orchestra, Jan Hammer joins us. Jan, the early 80s were spent working with, among others, Al Di Miola on Electric Rendezvous and Journey guitarist Neil Schoen on Untold Passions and Here to Stay, as well as supporting Jeff Beck in the studio. Ever since your work with Mahavishnu, you've played with a series of great guitarists. What makes this work? I think that I, uh, my, t- my sound and uh, the way I approach uh, improvisation and, and playing, I think it really goes very well uh, with guitar because I have a, there's a slight flavor that it's sort of guitar-like in, the, in my playing, but it's, it's still different enough, so it complements uh, the guitar players themselves. And they always uh, said, uh, especially you know, people like Jeff Beck, he would say that I, I was uh, influencing him by, by the way I played. He was, you know... So it was really good uh, combination when, when we were on stage, like like a year ago when we played live on a tour. Uh, it, it's the same thing. We just play and uh, help each other out and you know m- m- make each other play better. By 1984, you had already moved into composition for television and film, debuting as a soundtrack composer with the film A Night in Heaven. But your big break in this arena came when the producers of a new MTV-style police series called Miami Vice signed you as weekly score composer. How did that project come together? I understand you played some work for Michael Mann, and it blew him away. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was just an extremely lucky day. Uh, I was in Los Angeles working on another movie, and I had uh, some time to kill before my flight back to New York, and a friend of mine, uh, Danny Goldberg, said, suggested we go and you know, say hello to Michael Mann. He was you know, looking for people. Uh, he was at that time only just casting the show. It wasn't, you know, the show wasn't. No, I, nobody ever heard of the show yet. And so we went over and visit, uh, visited Michael. And I, he, he, you know, he was telling me he was looking for something that uh, music that didn't sound like anything else on television. And uh, so I had something uh, in my pocket. I had a cassette with some experimental music that I was working on, and I played it for him, and he loved it. And uh, guess what? That 
piece of music uh, turned out to be uh, the Miami Vice theme, <laughs> which was actually uh, created before I even heard of the show. <laughs> and speaking of that, on September 7th, 1985, the Miami Vice theme, backed with the B-Flip, the original Miami Vice theme from the MCA album Miami Vice, was issued peaking at number one pop and spending an unbelievable 22 straight weeks on the Billboard Top 40 charts, winning two Grammys for Best Pop Instrumental Performance and Best Instrumental Composition. Jan, was that theme created especially for the show, or did you have some elements in mind from previous projects? Well, as I said, the theme actually was created before the show. It was, uh, it was just something that was, you know, I was working on uh, thematically as far as, you know, cr- creating a very high-energy uh, driving uh, electronic music with uh, rock, with you know heavy rock elements and it uh, it just totally struck struck the right chord with the uh, you know together with the show and it just became you know took a life of it on life of its own what was it like scoring an episode in 4 days that's a tough schedule jan well the, what made it possible was that i was uh, given a complete creative freedom uh, so i uh, i was able to just watch the rough rough video uh, of the week's episode and just pl- come up with some with the music and place it where I want it and you know just do it all basically uh, by myself I wasn't second guess no there was no committee or you know trying to second guess me or watching over my shoulder and that therefore I was able to go just with my instincts and uh, and also complete the job within as you said within four days each episode Jan in the beginning did you have any idea that Miami Vice would be such a big hit. After all, cops in chartreuse leisure suits is a tough act to follow. <laughs> uh, I, we, I had no idea it was going to be that big. It, was, it just became uh, an appointment television. and must, I mean, the original must-see Friday night, you know. And uh, it was just great feeling to be able to uh, sit down Friday and realize that there's like 30 million people listening uh, to, to my music. You know, it was just phenomenal. Don't get mad. Get media. Mad Pod. Live coast-to-coast from metropolitan New York City with jazz rock keyboardist virtuoso and former member of the legendary Mahavishnu Orchestra, Jan Hammer joins us. Jan, you toured with jazz legend Sarah Vaughan in the early days. When you look at the jazz work you did with Sarah, that's completely different than your later work. How do you explain that progression? Uh, I think it was all just at one uh, continuous uh, growth uh, where, I mean, I, I grew up uh, in a jazz family, uh, and uh, I, I thought I was always going to be a jazz pianist. And therefore, when I first came over my, uh, to America uh, after I you know, emigrated here, it was, uh, it was just a natural, perfect job for me to work with Sarah Vaughan. And uh, but at the same time, I was listening to you know people like J- Jimi Hendrix, who you know, uh, who actually I met him in his studio when we were recording with Jeremy Stike there, and uh, s- sort of things like that really were you know uh, got me turned on to the other side, which was much more electric and uh, more rock-like. And uh, eventually, you know, I sort of crossed over into that world and uh, got much more interested in in, a, in the rock and pop world, and uh, so my music became much more of a pop instrumental uh, type of uh, style. Jan, tell us about Snapshots, issued in 1989, another true solo album on which you performed every note yourself. Uh, that was, uh, you know, it's just uh, music accumulates. <laughs> you, uh, as you as you go through life, uh, if you're a musician and composer, you just come up with ideas, and then uh, you have to uh, get them out to the world. And uh, that was uh, one of those moments where, you know, just the momentum was right, and uh, 
that that was basically the music I was creating at the time. Plus, it also included, uh, you know, some some things that were not released before, uh, some things from uh, the Miami Vice scores. Now, you rededicated yourself to soundtrack composition, including 1992's acclaimed computer animation project, Beyond the Mind's Eye. Jan, is there any work that you think didn't get the attention it deserved? Uh, I, I cannot complain. I, uh, I've been as lucky as, as one can get as, in, a musical, in my musical career, and uh, I've been successful in so many different uh, directions. You know, from early on in the jazz music, then with Mahavishnu Orchestra, then in uh, uh, in much more of a rock setting with uh, touring with Jeff Beck, and you know, and and especially then with Miami Vice, it's just I think that I've <laughs> I've been luckier than most. 1994's Drive became your first non-soundtrack recording in over five years, and for the remainder of the decade, continued your work for TV, film, commercials, and even video games. What are you currently working on, Jan? Uh, I am uh, doing lots of uh, different interesting projects. Uh, I am uh, I was working on remastering uh, some of my old albums. Finally, they'll be remastered and re- you know they're coming released on CDs. Uh, I also uh, worked on a wonderful uh, feature documentary called Cocaine Cowboys, which uh, just made uh, they made its world uh, premiere at the Tribeca Film Festival on a- this April uh, 26th. There was a uh, and it's, it's it's being shown at the Tribeca Film Festival, and uh, I also work together with uh, freelance Hellraiser, who is uh, Paul McCartney's remix partner um, for, from the Twin Freaks album, and uh, I was I co-wrote music and uh, recorded with on his new album, which is uh, coming out in June on Sony. So that's freelance Hellraiser, who is a fantastic uh, DJ remixer and you know in Great Britain, and. Uh, it's just, you know, there's lots of different things happening. Uh, there's uh, the, the two albums that we did with Neil Sean also are going to be re-released uh, and remastered. And also I'm getting ready to play uh, in New York on June 22nd. Uh, uh, at, uh, in New York there's going to be uh, Moog Fest, which is, you know, remembering Bob Moog, the creator of Moog Synthesizer. Uh, and there's, uh, there's going to be people like uh, Keith Emerson and uh, people from uh, Dream Theater and... Uh, and so on. So I'll, I'm, I'm going to be playing, you know, basically a first U.S. gig in over a decade. Now, your most inclusive website is janhammer.com. Any other news for us, Jan, musical or otherwise? No, that's, <laughs> I think that's about it for now. But uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's just it's wonderful that uh, uh, all these different things that are happening to me. And my thanks to Elliot Sears at your organization for his detail-oriented assistance in arranging this segment. Live coast-to-coast from metropolitan New York City, jazz rock keyboardist virtuoso and former member of the legendary Mahavishnu Orchestra, Jan Hammer. Jan, thank you so much for taking time to be with us and for helping us feature your many greatest and latest hits, my friend. Great. Thank you very much. Best wishes, Jan. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Shadow. Don't get mad. Get media. Mad Pod. Find things faster, quicker, more reliable. You made it possible for my ex-wife to find me. She has my car. She has my dog. She has my kids. She has my freaking frog. Possible for my ex-wife to find me. Earthlink 
Reliable, high-speed internet connection. More stable than your marriage. You know, when I go to fill up my SUV or my sports car that I don't have anymore because my ex-wife has it, I usually like to go to Shell because, you know, they meet the highest automaker standards. Shell gasoline, they're, they're made to move. Stop in at your local Shell station and get your instant win scratch game card piece inside. You know, you can scratch it off and you can win uh, free Shell gasoline for life or hundreds of other great prizes. Shell, made to move. Also, if you want to get a good deal on a domain name, go over to GoDaddy.com. GoDaddy, I have about 20 domain names registered now. And you can get a discount by just putting in the MadPod code MP1, MP2, or MP3. So go to GoDaddy.com. Don't get mad. Get media. MadPod.